What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast could be sponsored by you, yes, you, the listener, through the podcast Patreon page that you can find by clicking the link in this episode's description. However, if supporting the podcast financially is not a possibility, that's totally fine too, especially if you are an Apple Podcast or iTunes listener, because you can leave the show a rating and a review. It's important with the way iTunes works, helps other people find the show, and helps the show continue to grow. So please leave a rating and review. Um, there's another option by Stitcher, which also allows you to do that. And uh, don't forget, there are other ways of listening to the show if you're not an Apple podcast or iTunes listener by heading on over to Google Play. Uh, like I said, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and wherever else you get your podcast, the Chase Thomas podcast will be there. And lastly, I highly encourage you to check out my website at chasethomaspodcast.com to read me at Medium uh, and to follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and to go to the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas writer. Hopefully you're still with me because this is the end of me rambling. All right, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, Monday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast, and I'm joined after he tweeted at me, and you know he gave me a hard time for not having him on the podcast at, at, up to this point. It's been over a year now. We officially hit uh, we're our first year. Of podcasting, but uh, James Hollis is here of B-Ball Breakdown. James, good evening. How are you? In my defense, it was the easiest hard time ever. I just like made a face and was like, thanks for inviting me on. So don't listen to him. It wasn't a hard time at all. I I felt attacked in my mentions and Everyone's it only dead. got worse from there. No, none of that <laughs> happened. But um, yeah, man, I it, it, there was no particular reason. I, I can confirm there's no particular reason as to why uh, you had not been on to this point, but there are, are a lot of people out there to get on this podcast, and there are a lot of people popping in and out, but it uh, doesn't matter, because we're here right now. It's uh, Monday night, uh, February 5th, and we are in the last couple of days before the trade deadline, so the NBA is finally starting to pick up with a lot of craziness happening, and a lot of it involving a team you're very familiar with, the Celtics. Um, well, I guess relatively a lot, but I, I think there's a lot of other teams that are more heavily involved. And honestly, I hope that boss is not too deeply involved. So you're so, not just losing your mind over a potential Greg Monroe signing. No, that's happening. So that's not, that's not a big deal, right? Like Boston already offered him the most money. He's, he spurned New Orleans. Um, you know, so that's, that's cool. I'm, I'm happy about it. My thing was the minute, uh, Gordon Hayward went down, I, sh- I recalibrated all my expectations. And I said, I said it from that, like you know, after after I was bummed out, I wrote about field breakdown. I just set my expectations to, you know, I want I want Jalen Brown and Justin Tatum to show a lot of improvement. I want to see the team build. I want them to figure out who's going to be here long term. All all expectations are off. So for me, this season has been like fantastic, right? I, I'm just there's there's no bad to this season. It sucked losing four in a row or whatever it was, but you know, like to me, 
I don't have the, this weight of expectations about the playoffs because, I mean, Gordon Hayward's an all-star. And once he went down, I, you know, I just – it is what it is. So I'm really happy with the team. I'm proud of the team. Greg Monroe's going to be a great addition. I wouldn't be shocked if they made the Asian Conference Finals and, you know, even upset, you know, the Cavs. It's still an upset. I don't care if Boston's the higher seed because um, LeBron's been to, you know, this would be what, eight straight, you know, eight straight Eastern Conference Finals, eight straight Finals, what he's, what he's angling for. Yeah, I mean, so, if you beating LeBron in the Eastern Conference playoffs at this point would be an upset. I don't know how you could get around it. No matter how tumultuous that situation gets in Cleveland, LeBron still losing before getting to the NBA Finals is that that's bigger than anything that happens the rest of the playoffs, I think. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So like, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Boston did that, but I would not be disappointed. And like, I wouldn't be beside myself in tears if Boston was an early out first or second round. Yeah. I, I was talking to Scott about this, uh, Scott referee of the step back and an email chain back and forth where I, I really look at you, want... look at you name dropping. Look at you. Oh no, that's a post we do every week. Uh, Scott is Scott is my dude. I Scott is the best. Uh, so read Scott's work and uh, follow Scott at Crab Dribbles on Twitter. Scott's great. Um, but yeah, so we were talking about like different matchups for the Heat because the Heat were going for it, and now they they were just in like the four spot, and now they're back down to like I think the seventh. I don't have the standings in front of me, but it, there's only like a game or two separating like the four seed and like the eight seed in the East. I think. I think two games separate the three and like the eight or seven or something. So, yeah. Yeah, it's all muddled together right now. So there will be a lot more changes in the standings. I mean, just this week alone. But yeah, and like I think the Celtics are one of those teams where I think who they get matched up with in the first round matters, similar to who the Raptors get, maybe even more so. But like I really want Heat Celtics in the first round because I think that's a terrible matchup for Boston and would just be a seven-game slog and just – Goran Dragic, who has this just gigantic chip on his shoulder at all times and him getting the all-star nod this year and just him going at Kyrie and Whiteside dealing with, uh, I mean, basically, like him and Horford, I, I do not imagine would go well. And James Johnson and Marcus Morris, uh, just, I, I, that's what I want. I want Heat Celtics in the first round and I could see that turning into a bloodbath. But like you said, I, I think the Celtics are still on track to get to the Eastern Conference Finals at the very least, but I don't know if this is kind of an outlandish opinion, but I don't think their playoff trajectory changed at all without Gordon Hayward. Is that too unfair or is I, I just I, I like Gordon Hayward and like you said he is an all-star. I think it's very unfair. Uh okay. he averaged he averaged twenty seven a game against the Clippers. Uh, you know, a, a bona fide good NBA team. Playing with see, we haven't seen him with Brad. So so here's one thing about Brad Stevens. We've seen guys go away from Brad Stevens and all of a sudden lose their superpowers. You're taking a very good player and and you're giving him to Brad Stevens. Why? I, I think the opposite would be in effect where we'd, we'd see Gordon Hayward unlocked. The scoring might not go up, but we'd see things from Gordon Hayward we might not have seen before. Pairing him with a guy like Kyrie, I definitely think now you have two guys who can give you 20 a night, like, you know, efficiently. That changes everything because right now it's Kyrie Irving, and then you know you kind of nickel and dime, and you, you're hoping that Jason Tatum gets 16, Jalen Brown gets 18. It, it goes and you know comes and goes every night. You put Gordon Hayward in the mix, and everything changes. Yeah, but we still like I guess and not like I guess as a whole the team changes, but I'm saying like their trajectory in the playoffs. Like I don't think he moves the needle in a seven game series. Like I think they were still going to get to the Eastern Conference Finals with or without Hayward, I guess. So now <laughs> I, I just, I don't know 
I don't know if that pushes him over the top in a Eastern Conference Finals matchup with LeBron. So let me ask you this. Uh, it's, I mean, I can hear what you're saying because you, I mean, one hand, it's like LeBron, LeBron, and if they're gonna, if they were gonna, if LeBron was gonna beat them, they're gonna beat them regardless. Now, would you rather face LeBron with a 25 and five guy or without a 25 and five guy? I mean, I think the answer is always you want to have him, but I don't think it changed. Like, I think they were gonna lose to LeBron either way. Um, I did. Uh, well, so you still think they're de- they're defined? They're going to lose to LeBron right now? Until it's like the Patriots thing, almost where it's like until I see LeBron lose in the Eastern Conference playoffs, I'm not. Yeah, I just a, a, a seven eight year vet who can score twenty and can defend, and another body to throw at LeBron James that matters. And I mean, just to say like, ah, oh, it doesn't matter either way. That's really strange to me. So uh, that's interesting. I I, I was I'm not saying he. Yes, yeah, you know, I will say it. Yeah, if it came down to a seven-game series now, then guess what? I'll say, yeah, if we had Gordon Hayward, we would have beat him. But we also don't know what this team would look like with, I mean, what specifically Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown would look like. I with, guess my if thing Gordon is Hayward like didn't get hurt. Brad Stevens has consistently got the best out of everyone. Why do we? Why would you suddenly think? Oh well, if with Gordon Hayward and those same good players that he's using right now, it would be worse. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't think it'd be worse. I just think it. would it it would just be different, so we just don't know. So we can't assume it'd be better, or we can't assume it'd be worse. No, I, we just I mean, don't we know. can. Brad Stevens has been better every every year. Every year he's made. Well, the I'm team saying like, not Brad Stevens. I'm saying those individual players. Would they be better? Well, that doesn't matter. It, 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 would your team be better? Right. The, the, the team could be better with the players having lower numbers, and that's okay. The well, team the would team be, will be better down the road because of this. And I think uh-huh. this is not like a unique opinion where it's like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, even though it's under just really unfortunate circumstances i think they are better long term because they are getting more exposure more time and all that kind of stuff like i don't think that happens obviously if hayward stays healthy and that just doesn't happen so like down the road i think it's one of those positives but i don't know what jason tatum's rookie year looks like this year if gordon hayward doesn't go down in game one but my point is like the team is still better even if jason tatum's only averaging eight points a game off the bench now the team is better. You see what I'm saying? Like, I don't understand how you, the team, you don't see how the team is much better having a veteran starting with Jalen Brown and Kyrie and Al Horford. And, you I know, know, this team's pretty good right now without him. I know. And they'd be better. <laughs> it's a 25 and five guy. Like, that's what mm-hmm. I don't understand. Like, what's, how is that not better? Sure. Like, right now, they're still, uh, I don't know, 38 and whatever, 37 yeah. and something. Yeah. They'd, they'd be like 45 and something. They'd be, they'd be, Probably better. They wouldn't lose those four in a row. They, I don't. Do you want him back for the playoffs? If no. he can go, no. Okay. No. no. Fair. Uh, yeah, because I mean, we saw, we saw uh, Paul George when he came back. You know that he'd be sure we'd see a nice shot here and there, and maybe make a nice move. But you you don't just not play basketball for you know a a, a full almost eight to seven, eight months and then come back from a broken leg and and you know, you're gonna be a productive fifteen point per game score. You're just not. There's only one you guy know. I would actually bet on that still being um he'd still be a productive player and it's Westbrook. Uh no. No. I I, I even this kind of injury, I don't think anyone comes because Paul George is a uh, sure Westbrook's the best athlete probably, you know, him and LeBron, a couple of the guys, best athletes in the league. 
Yeah, that kind of like you. He you. He I would bet on it. I guess that was just my like. If I had to pick somebody, going in blind of like most likely to come back for a playoff run, like nothing happened and they didn't just have a devastating, Ooh. gruesome injury like nine months ago, it would be Westbrook. I guess is what I'm saying. I, I just hope we never have to find out with Westbrook. No, yeah, you know I love him so. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I just I, I'm pretty. I, I just feel like that kind of. I'm, we're lucky that Gordon's coming back and he's projected to be 100%. And, and it, we, don't know, we don't know. We'll see next season, right? So We will see next season. Um, before we get into like some of the other stuff I wanted to touch on tonight, I do have a question. And this is like something that is just stuck with you. And it's like something, if you're not familiar with Basketball Twitter and this podcast, I highly encourage you to just um, look up um, at snotty dripping and then just type in the word after that on twitter Jokic, and just see what comes up <laughs> <laughs> oh god no um so and, and my stance has never changed it's funny because the offseason people get bored you can tell and they just lose their they lose their ever-loving minds and they just kind of go off on these tangents and they they dig down on stuff he's a very good player right but this summer uh, a couple of those deep dive number guys were saying he's a top 10 player. One guy said he's banging on the door for top five and you know, they, they, they spout off his rap and his, you know, his offensive box plus minus all this great. You know, I, people love him. I get it. Denver struggled earlier this year until Gary Harrison uh, and, and Jamal Murray kind of caught fire. And now they're playing really well. Of course, Joke looks great. He's good. He's a really good player. I said the same thing. He's going to be a perennial all-star. Um, he's just, there was a, there was a publication that listed him as like the six, they ranked him 16th out of all NBA players this summer. And my thing was like, that's, you're overrating him. And people just, they sat my mentions and told me about how, spacing and this and you know oh i, I don't know man it's <sighs> he's better the main one was the thing about him and uh boogie cousins and look yeah. boogie, boogie cousins is one of the most productive dominant you know big man and sure he played for a terrible kings team and you know he got traded he didn't like the the the, the or, uh, new orleans pelicans didn't take off once he got traded you know learn a new system so, you know, oh, well, he puts up good numbers, but, you know, Jokic's more impactful. And I I just – I respect the numbers, guys, and I respect the deep dive analytics. I, th- I think sometimes they just go overboard. So, yeah, that was a fun summer. I just – Jokic is one of those guys. I kind of look at him as, like, the modern-day, like, big Steve Nash, where he's going to – like I, I'm, I think this might upset you. I think he's going to get at least one MVP in, in his career. And, yeah, probably. That's fine. I mean, it's just the way they play. And I mean, this Nuggets team is getting, especially like you mentioned, Gary Harris and Jamal Murray. And the better they get, and the more fun this team gets, and the more this offense evolves. It's just Jokic is going to be the headliner for that group. And they're flirting closer and closer to those Phoenix teams that were just insane to watch. And just Gary Harris and Jamal Murray are just so deadly from deep. And Jokic is just such a brilliant passer. And he's just great inter- post-game interview uh him just openly talking about Wester westbrook uh falling asleep on d was pretty pretty great but i i can see what you're saying with the demarcus cousins and nikola Jokic argument i wonder how many more years we have that kind of debate or who Jokic gets thrown in there with where the arguments especially on basketball twitter get really vicious just like how people see Jokic or if his perception changes over the years, if he gets better and others, like what does Jokic have to do for you to kind of 
I don't want to say give him more credit, but to like uh, be it more. I mean, if I say the idea that he's a top ten player, or top fifteen player, what well, does he have to do not, for you? He's not. Well, I'm saying he's what, not. Well, I'm saying to get there, what would you want to see him do? Uh, I don't know. Just he, he's just not. He's fine. He's a good player. I just I'm tired of talking about. It. He. I think he's not as he's not so good to get all the attention he gets. And I think I'm not. I don't care if he gets attention, but to get the you know top ten. Come on, dude. No, I'm um, saying like to get there. Like, I get what you're saying. Uh, I don't know. Just be more consistent because he didn't show up for the first half of the season. He was just kind of like there. And he's playing great now. And, you know, he had his spots. But, yeah, it, that's the thing when when people say these things. Like, he went long stretches when he was just, like, just out there. Like, the team was, like, net negative on the court. Uh, Matt Moore, HP basketball, we all follow and we talk about. He, you know, he's very – I like him because he's very analytical. And he can – you know, he has his biases. But he said it himself. He's like, look, if you're talking all this about Jokic, they need more out of him. And he's he started in the last maybe a couple of weeks to give you more, but the first half of the season matters, right? So, um, yeah, I guess if he consistently a, a twenty and you know twenty and thirteen and seven guy or whatever, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think people like him because he plays that kind of awkward style and he looks so unorthodox, and they want him to be great, and that's great. He'll be he's going to be a fine player, multiple time All Star. That to me that to me that's giving him credit. I don't get what else I'm supposed to do. Yeah, I think the most interesting thing about this Nuggets team right now is actually Emmanuel Mudiay is shooting thirty six percent from three right now. I think it was up; to, it was in the forties earlier. So Mudiay is one of those, those right? His counting stats haven't been bad, but you know, I guess all the analytics show that, like, well, not even analytics, just the net net plus minus, right? Which just shows talks about how the team performs when you're on the floor versus off. He's been like atrocious. Yeah, and he's been it's just like, like he's a good candidate to get moved. I, I do love that they're playing Trey Lyles because I was really high on Trey Lyles when he was coming into the league, and I'm glad that he's like shooting 40% from three and doing well from them. But instead of doing a deep dive into the Nuggets, um, there are some other things that I um, wanted to talk about today. And well, the first before one you, is, hold on, oh, you, before you I just want to say if uh, the rumors about Marcus Smart from Moutier happen, every good thing I've said about Danny Ainge, I would have to unsay. Ooh. No, that's not true. Um, I, I, Do you I really not think Brad Stevens would just figure no. out a way to make Emmanuel no. Moutier? If he can turn Terry Rozier and Marcus Martin to what they are. No. I, Moutier, wouldn't you say he has I, bigger upside than both of them? No. Okay. But, but I mean, again, I don't want my coach to say, hey, let's see how damaged a player we can bring in. I mean, I don't want my GM to say, how damaged a player can we bring in? How flawed a player can we bring in? And Stevens work is magic. You know what I mean? That's why I wouldn't like it. Now, Ainge has built up enough. Uh, he's well, put enough. You bring that up though. And this is in, did you see Andrew Sharp's piece um, from a couple days ago on the Blake Griffin trade and just this new era of um, the CBA and where teams like Boston, and if you look at their cap sheet and look at how they're surviving and how they're a contender with paying Al Horford as much as they're paying him and paying Gordon Hayward as much as they're paying him. And even though he's not on the court and Kyrie and this guy, if you look at their cap sheet, the Warriors cap sheet, it's four guys making an insane amount of money and then a bunch of guys making very little amount of money. There's no middle class. Like the Celtics are, they have no middle class on their roster and eventually they're going to have to pay Tatum and Smart or they don't and they move him. Um, just uh, Jalen Brown, guys like that. And you can't afford all these guys. So you have to figure out ways to maximize these just low number guys and it's either through the draft, late first round, early second round, or it's through like what Golden State does where they find guys like Nick Young off the scrap heap. That's why I think 
if I get why you're annoyed with that kind of way of thinking, but I think that is something the Celtics are going to do and the best teams in the NBA are going to continue to do is uh, sell high on these guys that they don't want to pay, yeah, but, but they love paying a million dollars, $3 million, whatever, and then they want to move on before it gets too late. And they're going yeah, to restart this process over and over and over again. For sure. Smart's gone. He's probably gone this summer. I understand that. I, I just don't understand this, of trading him for a Moutier. I, I'm fine. Yeah, I, I, I've already kind of... What is Moutier's deal or the rest of his uh, contract looking like? I don't know. But I, I reconcile the up. fact that Smart might be, you know, he might he might have priced him like he might just be out of the price range. Now, the only good thing, not even good thing, I'm not going to say good thing because I want Smart to get paid, but the, the money is kind of dried up, right? They kind of, uh, you know, the, the team shot their wad two summers ago. Last year, they still threw out a couple of big contracts. For the most part, a lot of teams don't have max space, and the ones that do aren't going to be trying to give Marcus Smart $15 million. So that's a, that's a, almost a positive for Boston as far as, uh, you know, maybe retaining – smart on a team friendly deal either or give him money in short years and figure it out you know so um yeah i'm not sure what moutier's deal is but i i just i like moutier as far as uh he's he's big strong he's hitting spot up threes now i just don't like as far as the fit with boston and maybe it's it's like terry rozier i don't like the terry rozier pick and he turned out to be he's turned out to be really good brad stevens really is like the point guard whisperer um so yeah i wouldn't be I, I just would like to see him get a shooter and a, a longer, another long wing. But I guess Moody is not terrible. Do you think he's a bigger uh, point guard whisperer than Quinn Snyder? Um, yes, because Ricky okay. Rubio, uh, he's having a, a really nice run right now. I think it's like maybe six or seven or eight games. He's been he's having a really nice run. But let's not forget, there's no. I think Rubio, his first ten games as a Jazz, he looked pretty good. And then there's like 30 games in the middle where he looked horrible. So that's what Rubio kind of does. He'll have these nice little stretches where he, people say, hey, he's turning the corner. Um, and then, you know, Donovan Mitchell just is is just ridiculous. He, I think no matter who the coach was, Mitchell would have been, would been the man. So Snyder is a great coach, and he, uh, he obviously has, has a nice system in Utah. But, like, look, Kyrie went down, no Shane Larkin, no Marcus Smart. And Terry Rozier was drafted 16th and was pretty much forgotten for two years. And now he he started off with a triple double and a 30 point game. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that's fair. Cool. I would go ahead and say that Frank Vogel is not the point guard whisperer. Oh my god! Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he might well, be the DJ Augustine whisperer. Maybe maybe that's what we can call him. I have a question for you though. Is is Orlando? I saw somebody tweet this. Is Orlando the most irrelevant team in the NBA? Mm, no. Who is more irrelevant than Orlando? This this is gonna upset somebody, but I would probably so like in, irrelevant. Um, probably Charlotte. Oof, that's a good one. I didn't even think about that. I I said the Kings, but Charlotte is pretty. Yeah, wow. Because Charlotte does have a guy who's averaging like you know twenty three points a game and. Kimber's uh, dropping like 40, like, and it just doesn't matter. No one cares. Dwight's, Dwight's doing the 2010 thing again, and nobody cares. Yeah, that's a good one. Like, they're playing pretty well lately, and everyone's just like, uh, what, they're going for the eight spot? Like, I think more relevant. Like, the Kings are just, 
I think they're more relevant because they're 30th in offensive and defensive efficiency. And it's just watching them is just like, what the hell are they doing? Zebo's usage rate. It's just, I watched the entirety of the Kings Warriors game the other night. And it's just amazing how much that offense is run through Zebo and just the rotations and just the way they play. It's insane. I cannot believe Dave Yeager still has a job at this point. Like that was, that was my next question you guys going to say, because I like some of their young talent. I like Heels. I like uh, Bogdanovich. I like uh, Bogdan. Well, I like Scal the most. Scal is my dude, and I want him unleashed somewhere if it's not going to be Sacramento. I mean, not just Scal. Willie Carlstein has physical tools, and they got these pieces. You know, even Justin Jackson looks like, a, like he might be one of those scoring kind of wings that oh, every I don't team. Like Justin Jackson, I think he's pretty awful. But continue. Yeah, he'd be fine. And you get you need a guy to put up shots, I guess. Whatever. I mean, who knows? We could be. I, I actually really like um, uh, the kid, the two guard they drafted two years ago, Malachi. Oh yeah, he's like the most likely to get traded, right? He's like right out of favor there. So yeah, I mean, we talked we like we just named like you know Frank was it Frank Jackson his name? Which one? The point guard. Uh, oh, the, uh, Frank uh, Mason. Mason. Frank yeah. Mason. Yeah, he's he's fun. He's really good. So we just name all these players, and they're just so bad. They're it's, so bad. It's not good. De'Aaron Fox is good. He's fun. Uh, yeah, I love De'Aaron Fox. I didn't even named De'Aaron Fox. You know what I'm saying? It's it's we just named all these players, and they're you know even hey, George Hill I think is like a top. Uh, is he top ten in three point shooting right now? You know, so they got all these pieces, and somehow they're just so so bad. So, yeah, George Hill is shooting forty five percent from three right now. Yeah, pretty good. So. Bogdan almost forty as a rookie. He he deserves yeah. more rookie of the year love. Bogdan like makes that team way more watchable. But yeah, I think the Kings and the Kings fans, man, like that place is always packed. They're not a bad attendance team, no matter how awful it is with Vlade running things. Like I don't know, the Kings fans are great, and just it, it looks. I I don't know. They deserve better at this point. So Charlotte, I think, is the most irrelevant, and. I don't see that changing anytime soon. It's just, it's, it's an unfortunate situation because they really are trying, but I feel like they're, they need a complete rehaul and I don't know if they're going to do it. I, who knows what Michael Jordan's going to ultimately do there. I mean, that's what they call the, they're stuck on that mediocrity treadmill, right? You know, they're consistently right out of the playoffs or eighth, seventh seed. And last, this will be two years in a row. They're going to miss the playoffs, you know? So what are they doing? You're, you know, they're, they're paying all these players, there's i don't know whatever well that's like it goes into this thing i want to talk about this is like a broader point is basically what they're finding one gm went on record saying that there are like more sellers than ever this trade deadline and that's probably gonna be something that continues into the summer and no one really wants to buy and i mean there's always a lot of talk about like that being a product of golden state being golden state but a lot of it too is just the spike jump and just how many evan turner like contracts are out there right now and nobody wants to take those on and there's nobody with cap space that are like, there's not more Brooklyn Nets like teams who can absorb bad contracts like the Timothy Moskovs and stuff like that. Like the Bulls just did it with Omar Ashik, but there's only a handful of those teams that are able to take that on. And if you want to move those bad contracts, you have to like attach a first round pick or even if it's a late one, just to get off these contracts. Like it's, there's no room in all of these teams. Like when I brought up the Boston and Golden State stuff who are only paying four guys um, max level money and then the rest of their guys are just making significantly less and there's no middle class. Those are the best teams in the NBA that are doing that. But these other teams like the Blazers who I think might be the best example or the Hornets where they're paying all of these middle class guys 
just a ridiculous amount of money and it's not it's just not working and it's just this horrible situation because nobody wants Evan Turner, Mo Harkless, Myers Leonard, any of those contracts. So what do you do? So that's the question. Uh, I get the Blazers. They said, hey, you know, we don't have the money. We have to spend this money. These guys walk. We're not going to have a lot of cash pay. So we're going to bank on internal development. And in theory, it sounds good. But look what you're depending on. Again, uh, Evan Turner, sure, he looked good in Boston. And then he got out of Boston. And we see that, you know, he's barely a league average kind of player. Um, Mo Harkless, he's good. He's he's a fine rotation player. I mean, are you going to spend cash base on him? What's ten, twelve million dollars a year? Uh, the sunken no. cost. Yeah, the center. Who who they? What's the guy's name? They paid the center. Um, that they then he they just I think they just they stretch him or Azili. Um, yeah, Azili. Who's now uh, like out of the league? Out of the league, right? I mean, they paid him when he was injured. He was injured when they paid him, right? He was ne- wasn't never healthy. So yeah, that was just that's just money wasted. It. Their I get it. brutal, man. They're paying uh, I, Evan Turner, Mo Harkless, and Myers Leonard over thirty million dollars this year. I yeah, I, I've done that a couple of times. That's I, a yeah. max level slot for yeah. just oh my god. Yeah, I've done that. Can you that, imagine that, Lillard and McCollum with a max level player, like a real like turning those three into a max level guy? That seems significantly more interesting. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, even if they a guy like DeAndre Jordan, which you know, I get it. He's a max player because of what he brings. Like that'd be amazing. So yeah, it's uh, but it's why, uh, why would the Clippers take any of those three contracts on? Why would they? Well, yeah, I just don't know what the Blazers do. I get why they want DeAndre, but they did it themselves because they paid Myers Leonard, they paid Mo Harkless, they paid Evan Turner. No one asked them to do that. That's why I don't understand. Because even you know, Blazers guys will still tell me to this day. Well, you know, that money has to be spent, or else they they still won't have cap space. But what I mean, yeah, you kind of do. You can then you can find ways to make trades and, and slide guys in that space. You don't have to just. It's the length of those contracts. They get all the yeah. guys like four four year deals, and it doesn't make any sense. Isn't that so. kind of like uh, Nate Duncan always talks about this, where it's like it's not the money, it's the years. Yeah, and that's I mean, yeah, like look, that's why the you know we, we talked about Orlando before. Orlando's pretty relevant too, but um, yeah. yeah, like they. Or even like this year with KCP and, and the Laker Lance. So they gave KCP 20 mil or 18 mil, whatever it is, for one year. Who cares, right? It doesn't matter. They had they had the cash base. They blew it on them. That's fine. Same thing with, you know, J.J. Redick, who's a really good player. He's not a $20 million player, but they paid him because they could. One year. That's a one-year deal. It's perfect. Yeah, it worked for them. You know, Jeff Green got, a, got 16 mil from Orlando for a year, which, you know, he's a waste because it's Jeff Green and it's Orlando. But that, those kind of deals, you're right. They don't matter. But yeah, just to, to fork over big money for four years, these guys. Uh, I feel bad for Dame. I love Dame. Dame should be getting MVP consideration with how well he's been playing this this season, especially like lately. January was amazing. Uh, CJ is an incredible score. Um, but yeah, outside of those two, that team is just just it's not it's not enough. Yeah, all these teams are pushing the luxury tax, and they're fighting for like eight seeds. <laughs> So here's the funny thing, right? Uh, the the players' association really screwed themselves by not taking the cap smoothing. Yeah, you know, because that's that's why we're in this situation right now, right? Those teams just had this huge influx of money, and the GMs went nuts, and here we are, you know. So it's it sucks, but it is what it is. And the smart teams didn't go nuts, though, and maybe that's just a product of their team. But like the Celtics and the Warriors didn't lose their mind over the cap spike. It's not like everybody 
went nuts over the cap spike. The Thunder didn't. The Thunder are still in pretty great shape either way, whatever happens with Paul George. Like, a lot of teams still didn't do it. Like, the Rockets, they're somehow still pretty flexible going into the summer, even with everything they've been doing. Like, the smart teams didn't do this to themselves, but the desperate teams just overpaid for nothing and they just panicked and i get that the money had to go somewhere but it uh it's interesting about to see which teams ultimately are like in serious just middle tier trouble and the teams that aren't and a lot of it goes back to how they operated with the cap bump yeah you called it man like gms and owners they want to make as much money as possible and they want to protect themselves as much as possible that's why we have the the age minimum that's why they force kids to go to college you know to give themselves more time to evaluate and uh but unless you have a good gm nothing you try to do matters nothing you do matters nothing not the cba however you try to control the players whatever nothing you do matters because if you have a bad gm they're going to be bad gms and they'll find a way to, to do bad things be it in the draft be it Contracts they give out, you know, and I'm not saying that Portland's GM is a bad GM. I just I'm saying that, you know, GMs are going to make mistakes no matter how many safeties the league tries to put in place to protect themselves. That is true. Yeah. Neil O'Shea, he's not someone that we bring up a lot of just like, oh, he's made. But, you know, he's made some really peculiar calls the last couple of years. I mean, I don't think he's done an amazing job. I think he has uh, stumbled into some good stuff, but I, I would not say he's like hit a home run. I, I think it's fair to say. Uh, it's just, it's Zach funny. Zach Collins, but... man. What was the point of that? You had Nurkic and you want to get, I, I can't get over the Zach Collins thing. I actually, this might be a hot take. I think the Giorgio Papianis is a more defensible pick for the Kings a couple years ago than Zach Collins. Uh, where's Papianis pick? Like 13th? Yeah, something like that. He was like, and Collins was at 10th. Yeah, wow, wow, wow. That's uh, that's that is kind of a hot take because Papa Giannis was one. I mean, Giannis, you just don't know. I'm okay with like teams doing like the bizarre overseas pick in the middle late lottery and just seeing what happens versus just yeah, like, thirteen is guy. thirteen is it okay? Yeah, late lottery. Yeah, you're right. Um, I just nah that you already had you already had uh you already had Boogie you already had what's the guy's name uh, the other backup big man they got. Um, which one? Uh, uh, Kings. Oh, Kufus. Yes, they already had Kufus. They already had somebody else too. So that was a weird pick, but whatever. You're, I mean, they not. had Willie Cauley Stein too already at that point. I think they already had Willie Cauley Stein. Yeah, so that wasn't such a good pick. But oh yeah, if you take like in the context of that team and who they already had, it didn't make sense. But uh, like the theory of just taking oh foreign guy who you know like we we just never know. Like when Marcus All was drafted, you never thought he was going to become a top ten player. Like. I'm okay with teams thinking outside of the box. It's also, but you're trusting Vladi Divac scouting and the Kings to make the right pick there. But like, I am, if I'm a fan of a team like that is picking the late lottery, I want you to go like with a complete, like a Don McCurr or a Bruno Caboclo type guy, then take the safe, boring Vanderbilt kid. I will say I had no, I I didn't, I watched tape. I didn't, I had no idea who Terry Rozier was when they picked him. I went and watched tape. I was like, all right, the kid's athletic. Uh, he's getting all these steals and stuff in college. Can't shoot a lick. And I figured that was a sunken cost just from, from watching that. And again, kudos to Angel Stevens because that kid has turned out to be a real deal player. Just Zach Collins. He wasn't going to play this year. And just with Dame being as frustrated as he is and just I, I, I could not believe 
that that was the pick. I think that's a sneaky, just disaster pick for them. Because is he even ever going to play for them? When what's the scenario? If, especially if they want to trade for DJ, where does that come I mean, in? They roll him out there now, and I guess he's supposed to be a stretchy big with uh, you know a nice shot. And it's funny because they said he was supposed to help this year, and he's also a project. You know, they said this you know when they were talking about him. So it looks. I, don't wanna, I feel like I'm picking on the Blazers a lot, but I really just I, I did not like that pick at all. I did, I, we should pick on them, though, because I, I think they're doing Dame a disservice. To me, Dame is so good, man. Dame, to me, is one of the most underrated players in the game. And, and so much of how we value players is based upon the situations that they're in. You know what I mean? Like, if you put a good team around Dame and he's averaging these same numbers and they're third in the in the West, we're calling him like a superstar. But just because the, the, the poorly constructed team around him, he just doesn't get the attention, you know? So it, it does suck for him. Yeah, uh, the Blazers are going to be interesting, the deadline. They are, I don't know, people like equate them to like Wizards West. I don't think that's true. I think the Wizards are still in a much better situation than the Blazers are. And the Wizards are still like one more piece from like their starting five last year was so good, but Gortat's fallen off. And now like Ubre's developing, Otto Porter's still awesome. Like they have four guys still that are really good players and guys that you can see being part of their long-term core. The Blazers have two. So, so I, I would, I, I think it's different. I, I never really understood that comparison. I guess it's just because the backcourt, but I'm still taking the Wizards backcourt every time. I guess my problem with the the Wizards is everything you say is correct on paper. They have s- some of the weirdest chemistry issues behind the scenes I have yeah. ever seen. Like, and yet I, I just, still trust them in the playoffs. I don't. That's why. Okay. I mean, I, I don't for the simple fact that John Wall thinks he's the best player on that team. He's not. Bradley Beal's the best player on that team. John Wall is still going to carry himself and act like the best player on that team, even when he, you know, the bad knees and all. Um, they it seem like Wall and Beal hate Otto Porter, and it's kind of a mutual thing coming back the other way. It's just that's just such a weird dynamic. I, I just I can't buy into them. I just can't. I still think they're just a piece away. I really do from being really scary because they're a team. Where does that piece only... come from? I don't know. That's because again. Saul? They're, well, how, how are they going to get Marcus Hall? Yeah, I know. They don't have like any, like the Mahimni contract is terrible and that really hurts them. But the DJ, like I saw a report today there, if if you had DJ and you roll out DJ Porter, Ubre, Beal and Wall as your closing five in the playoffs, especially in the East, that's brutal. I would take that. I would take that in seven game series over the Celtics. Uh, okay. I can, I can see the reasoning. And as a Boston guy, of course, I guess I'm biased because I just think Boston's so much better coached. That's why it wouldn't matter. He's a better coach for sure. Yeah. I think Boston would, you know, he was, he was, he'd figure out the schemes to, to, you know, by the, by the seventh game, Brad Stevens would, would be showing he'd, he'd, he'd out, he just, you know, he'd be playing chess and Scott Brooks plays checkers. We know that. So that's, but no, you're right. It'd be, it'd definitely be a lot better team. They just, they have nothing to give. It's very frustrating. Yeah, anything they're going to make is going to probably involve moving, you know, probably Porter, right? You have Mm -hmm. to, like, if they want to bring in another big gun, they probably Just if teams want to get the cheaper guy, because Porter's about to make a ridiculous amount of money, and Ubre is under team control for a few more years, and is still not making much. Yeah. That's the thing. He's only making whatever. So, like, what team is going to say, oh, yeah, give me two of your bad contracts in Ubre, and we'll give you this star? You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Call the yeah. magic. See if the magic. I, I, that's a lot of teams need to be calling them because they have like nineteen different pieces that I think would look 
a lot better on a different team or call Charlotte once Charlotte realizes that they're not going to be a playoff team and see if they'll take one of, uh, take Ubre and Mahimi for like, not Dwight. I, I don't want Dwight. Can you imagine Dwight in that locker room? Oh my God. I mean, Add Dwight yeah. into the mix with John Wall, Beal, Porter, and friends. Oof. Yeah, I hate them. I honestly hate the Wizards, so I love it. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. I've always <laughs> been fascinated with this Wizards team, and I, I love that they may all secretly behind the scenes dislike each other, and then for whatever reason, just that starting five has been as good as it has, and Keefe is great, and I, I don't know. I, I could just... I want to see them at the peak starting five Wizards team of what we saw last year, just with a Marcin Gortat upgrade. My problem with them is that they really have accomplished nothing, but they play, they keep this whole, you know, people keep giving them excuses. Oh, they're just bored. They're playing out of competition. They've done nothing to earn that privilege to be able to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like a team like the Cavs, sure. Cavs get bored in the regular season. We've, they've, they've, they've been there, done that. They're, they got the bona fides. The Warriors say they, you know, they take the team lightly, whatever. It happens. These are the Wizards. They've never done anything. Sure, they've you know they've had a couple nice playoff series. Last few years, they haven't done anything. And for them to take the the the, the attitude of well, we can just turn it on. You've never been on. So, I think I know who the answer is. There, they can trade for Brooke. Brooke Lopez. Yeah, the last year's deal. Yeah. Uh. So why would here's a question? Why would uh why would the Lakers do that? Get Ubre. And maybe get the Lakers to take... I mean, you would get also the Wizards to take who I would love to see on the Wizards too, either Randall or Clarkson, because they're not going to be Lakers. Much Again, anyway. we got to talk about the money, because uh, yeah. Brooke is making 20 a year, something like that. Last year, yeah. I think he's, on, he's Last, expiring. Right, it's expiring, but still, you still got to make the money work for the deal, right? Yeah, um, Mahimi. <laughs> how long... How much, how much... See, they don't want... They don't, they don't want any money in LA. Right? That's their big thing. They don't want to take on any more long-term money, because they're supposed to be clearing spaces. So, you know, that again, oh man, it's just, they're just locked in. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, there's not a great answer here. But hey, Sadoransky is their first good bench player in like four years. So, progress, I guess. Once they It'll be <laughs> uh, I could talk about the Wizards all day. Um, so, quickly, I want to talk about about some realistic buyers, though. And you could tell me if, like, these are the only ones that, like, that's why I thought this was so interesting of just, you know, there are so many sellers in this market. But I do think there are a lot of teams that still fall under the, they should be buying because there's no real alternative or they're contending. I still have the Pels, the Boston Raptors, who I am begging to go all in and cash in their 19 different tradable assets that they have. Um, Washington, like we talked about, Houston. Golden State's still, I think, going to do something that we're all just like, of course, they got him. Uh, Miami, because they're locked in with Olenek and this core. And then Indiana, they've gone all in. And Victor Oladipo playing just out of his mind. And I like Miles Turner a lot and that group. And then OKC, obviously, going to trade for like Avery Bradley or something. And then Denver, who I still think is going for the playoffs. And I think they're, they have a bunch of tradable assets, too. And I want Malik Beasley to get moved and, you know, all these different guys that I think that they should be buying and trying to turn three for one. A lot of teams that I think need to be looking hard at doing the three for one swap. Uh, I don't know where to start here, man. Um, Did you disagree with any of those? Are anybody on that list should not be buyers, in your opinion? Um, I mean, the Pacers. Sure, this is great year one. And, you know, they're, they're building something. I don't know what what are you going all in for? 
You know what I mean? Like, what, what's the point of going all in this year with the Pacers? I, I, well, I think it's they never draft in the top of the lottery anyway. So uh-huh. you might as well, if you can. Like, they have so many. Like, the Pacers, I was high on them this offseason because if you look up and down, like, the top eight to ten guys on this team who's going to be playing, none of them are bad players. All of them are average at worst. A lot of them have turned to be above average, but, like, there's not a bad player in their rotation. Like Corey Joseph, um, DeMontis Sabonis, like even TJ Leaf's okay. Derek Collison's like the best backup point guard in the league. Like nobody on this team is no, just bad. No, no, no. You didn't just call Darren Collison the best backup oh, point guard. Darren Did Collison. You? I have been like the president of the Darren Collison would always be my backup point guard if I was a GM uh, fan club for like the last seven years. He's, he is his defensive fall off a cliff. He's not been good this year. What is his? He's 18.8 PER. What is Darren Collison uh, on off? I feel like he's still, uh, he's only 30. Somehow he is only 30 years old. Um, yeah, good he's good. Right? He's nice. He's good. I, I don't, well, that's fine. We'd want to No, we can parse that. 125.0 rating for the Pacers this year and a 110 defensive rating. Yeah. He's on the he's, floor. Yeah, whatever. He's all right. Hey, um, man, I'm telling you, the numbers don't lie. This dude is always a positive for every team he's on. The numbers don't lie. He's, I'm not, I'm not, no, he's good. He's just not the best backup point guard in the league. Um, Give me a backup point guard you would rather have than him, and you cannot say Terry Rozier. Uh, yes, I can. The guy oh, who just okay. scored 30 and went triple-double. Why can't I? <laughs> Why can't I say that? Uh, I, I don't believe you. I don't believe I, you. Hands down. Darren Collison? No, there's no way I would take him over Terry Rozier. I, I said this, and I, I I can I can I can pull up receipts. I said this last uh, probably before the summer. I think I said last December, December 2016. Hey, I don't want to pay Isaiah Thomas. I would be fine with letting him walk, and you let turn the team over to Smart and Terry Rozier. Absolutely. Okay. I can I'll bring up the receipts and send them to you. Um. So now nah, Collison's fine. It's just like what? So what? Like how much is he making? What do you think? You're, what are you going to get for Darren Collison, thirty years old, in a league where every team has point guards now? His what are you going to get? Fantastic! For he's only making ten okay. mil. He's only got another year on his contract. Yeah. He got bogged every down for team. only another year. The team is at, the league is absolutely flush with point guards. What team? Well, is, what team wants? What team is going to give you anything for for Darren Collison? I mean, you also have Corey Joseph, who's another valuable backup point guard. You could move him. You could, the best one I, I though. Their best trade chip is Thad. Like, I, I don't know what that would bring in, but, and they still have a conundrum where I don't think Sabonis and Turner can play with each other in the uh-huh. NBA. So you're going to have to flip one of them and you're not flipping Miles Turner. So I think, what does Sabonis bring in? What does that young bring in? Like, I, I don't know. I would see if you could turn in the, like just a couple of those guys to um, a team for, I, I don't know who the right piece See, is. But, like, these are good players, but like what, what? It, and I'm not even I'm not saying you're wrong because that'd be great if you can pack turn a couple of these guys into a better talent. But like that young, undersized power forward, decent score, doesn't really play defense, not a bad rebounder. But like what? There's no team that's gonna really give you anything for that. You see what I'm saying? Like you could I say you could find any a that young any street. I love him. He's one of those pros you probably want on your team. But what do you really give up to get that young? You see what I'm saying? Like it's just same thing with uh with uh, Corey Joseph. Corey Joseph, you know, nice little player from around the bench, 15, 20 minutes. What, again, the league has so many point guards, so many combo guards. What, it's just hard to see them flipping any of these pieces for a piece that's going to make them even like, hey, now we're going to be an Eastern Conference contender. So my thing would be wait till the summer, take your time and find a deal, make some smaller moves, and move from there And instead of saying, oh, we got to go all in 
at the trade deadline. Oh, so that's my thing. I'm not saying all in for these. When I'm saying buyers, I'm saying like, could you turn some of these good pieces into somebody else and keep building instead of like selling off any of these guys, like keep building and add another piece. If it comes along, if the right deal comes along. And again, like I I hear you, but I would keep asking you what, what do you get for Corey Joseph? You know, what do you have for Corey Joseph and Thad Young? It's just, they're good players. But like you said, teams are so cap conscious now. And, you know, I guess I think GMs a lot, even though we just said there are some bad GMs, they're so much smarter now. It's like I don't know who you who you gonna who you gonna uh, pull the wool over the eyes and say, hey, here's Corey Joseph and Thad Young. Now give Ooh, me a prompt. So who are they gonna give you? Who do you want? Mm, that's a good question. So, like, who do I want? Yeah. Oh, Stanley Johnson. Um, Victor Oladipo, Stanley Johnson, Miles Turner. That's like fun. it, but again, why would why would the Pistons? Okay. Oh, Pistons do all kinds all right. of dumb stuff. All right, yeah, you know, I'm just thinking about the Reggie Jackson's out for a while. They need a point guard. Yeah, I don't know if they'd cash Stanley Johnson, but that's not bad. Okay, that was a good one. That's a decent one. There we uh, go. I solved it. I hope Pritchard is listening. That's all I'm hoping for. That's not. I guess. Well, I, yeah. how much Stanley making? Stanley is making. Uh, I just had it in front of me. Let me double check. Uh, he is making three million. So you got to throw in some, I guess, some bad contracts to make it work. Going back yeah, to you know, you can John Luer. <sighs> that just sounds. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking at the Patriots taking Stan Johnson and John Luer. Uh, sure, I guess. There we go. Solved. To it. me, that's like that's not even a great move for the Patriots. Uh, oh no, uh, think it's Stanley Johnson in that. Yeah, I think it's a good move. I, don't like I still am, I still love Stanley Johnson, and I still want to see him on the right team. And I just don't like the Spurs stuff is so enticing, and I love seeing those reports. I want him in San Antonio so bad, but Indiana would work too. Yeah, I think I want Stanley Johnson to go to uh, OKC. Oh, that w- that would not be bad because they need OKC has to do something right now. They're uh, they're on the precipice. Yeah, that's and why we, I had them in the buyer. Like they just have, they cannot go into the postseason without Robertson. He was just too critical to that closing five man unit. Like I don't know if Avery Bradley is the right solution. It's not. I don't need. Yeah, okay. I'm glad you were with me on that because I don't love that. I keep as the people right fit. say that, and I go, dude, he's he's too small. He's uh he's shown, and I, I'm I'm look. I'm not saying Brad Stevens is like the best coach in the world. I'm saying something about that system, Evan Turner. Avery, uh, Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder. They come out of there and they look so much worse when they're not in a, a good structure. So that's why I don't think Bradley would be a good fit in OKC either because it's just not a lot of structure there. Sure, defensively, they were looking a lot better with, with Roberson, but Roberson's a 6'8", long-armed, like, defensive master. Avery Bradley's just not quite that, you know, so... It's they should be targeting more somebody like Jonathan Simmons or like Fournier is too expensive, so they can't get him. But like Courtney Lee, I think would be a better fit if they can get Lee, Lee. Lee and Jonathan Simmons are my two favorite there too. Yeah, Absolutely. Courtney Lee is seems to make a lot of sense. But the Knicks, I think, are still going for the playoffs. And like KP saying he wants to go for the go for the playoffs this year is just you're kind of in a bind because you really pissed him off in the last year. And if he wants to make the playoffs, even though it's almost certainly not going to happen. I don't know if they can trade Courtney Lee. It's a weird situation for them. Um, the Knicks are as, as always are a mess, and it sucks because I like KP and I like that. Uh, I like Frank Nicotine. I like Tim Hardaway Jr. more than most, but yeah, they're just you know they get Ron Baker freaking. Hey, I love Ron Baker. 
the headband and everything. Is he still right. shooting pretty well? I feel like he's still yeah. positive off on for them. He's been bad. Pretty, pretty bad. <laughs> While you talk, I'll look it up. I'm pretty sure. I've had this conversation with somebody because I told I was oh, saying. Oh no, he's out for the season. It's official. Oh. I didn't see that today. What do he do? Uh, he's having shoulder surgery. Huh? Do you know his middle name is Delaney? He looks like a Delaney. That, okay. Yeah, four to six months off the score of shoulder surgery. Huh? That just happened today. So even beyond that, though, I don't think he was playing very well. Oh, better than last year. Last year he was like a my. Oh God, last year's numbers are terrible. But this year he's only a, uh, a running one hundred four, D running one hundred seven, shooting thirty three percent from three. Okay, not yeah. that's not great. I was saying something about how they could have kept was it Jerry and Grant or the uh, the other one, the kid in Chicago now, the other one. Oh, Justin Holiday. They actually had them both. Yo, yes, they could have kept one of those guys for that kind of money, and they took Baker. And somebody was like, "Well, Baker's a better, you know, better investment." I'm like, "Are you crazy? Are you kidding me?" Grant, (laughs) Grant, and freaking yeah, both those guys are now. Oh, here it is. No, he's still a plus five point three. Yeah, whatever. Per hundred possessions. (laughs) I mean, yippee! I guess. Hey, man, you can't teach that grit. He is. uh, what what he does for that team cannot be uh, looked at with just numbers. Um, white. If Marcus Smart gets traded, do you think like we've talked about OKC? I don't think he's the perfect fit in OKC, but like if if you had to put Marcus Smart, I know this is going to hurt you to move him, but if you could move him to the deadline, where would you move him? Um, yeah, I wouldn't mind OKC. I, I I've come to grips. I even wrote about how I wouldn't trade him. No, not much I'd trade him for. But if he, yeah, if it, it's 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 a business, man. And if he's if he's going to projecting out to be too expensive, then you you know you got to look at it. Uh, OKC for Brinas and I don't know, uh, what's the kid's name? Uh, the, the, the other Grant. Uh, oh, uh, Jeremy. Yeah, Jeremy Grant. You know, um, like something like that. You know, just to to clear some cap and to open up the space, and you get a Brinas who I think I still believe in a Brinas, even though the Thunder don't use him right. Um, where else? I would want Ferguson if I was Boston over Abrinas. Uh I, I I like his athleticism. I like his his you know he he has guts. Why is he not in the slam dunk contest? By the way, I I don't know. I'm I'm they about getting slam- replacements. There have been other replacements over him, and I don't understand why Terrence Ferguson is not in the dunk contest. Um. Oh. Uh. I mean. I don't know, man. I don't get worked up about dunk contests. I'm not worked up. I just think it's odd because, like, who? Like, I feel like he's had the most, all the most memorable dunks, in-game dunks, especially this year. Like, he's he is Donovan's good, but like, do you think he? I don't know, man. I guess I'm just thinking about the windmills and everything else that Terrence Ferguson was just doing, like it was nothing. I feel like that. Just watch Donovan go back door and catch a lob, like one-handed lob where he cocked it back, like you know, back to Tallahassee. So, I get it. Terrence Ferguson is probably a little more explosive or whatever, but it, again, I, this is the most I've thought about the dunk contest so far this year already. So, <laughs> yeah, um, it, you know why? Because it's not fun. It's not, it's not good anymore. We we talk ourselves into it be good. It's, it hasn't been good in years. Aaron you know, Gordon I was having a conversation with uh, a casual basketball fan the other day, and I wonder if this is like a very common opinion for people who don't watch like are not like us and just are obsessed with this stuff. But they still only like the three-point contest. I think for whatever reason, people still love too. that. Okay, so it's everybody. Okay. Yep. 
I didn't know if it was like a casual thing where it's like, yep, they all they still watch the three point contest. They don't care about the dunk. They don't you know why? They love it because it's it's so it's this one is black and white. You're shooting. There's a clock. How many threes can you make? That's why I think people love the three point competition. It's it's a thrill. It's pure competition. We have the same clock. Who can make more shots? The dunk contest is so subjective, right? Some guy makes a dunk. Oh, that was great. I give him a ten. And I give him a seven. Three point competition. Either you you make more than me or not. You know, and then there's the stress of, oh, that guy has 25. This guy has 20 with, you know, with two racks left to go. We love the drama of the three-point contest. While the, the dunk contest is, a, it's feats of athleticism, but it's all subjective. I wonder if we should do like a four, like replace the dunk contest with like a four-point contest. Or uh, we just, it, we extend it back a little bit further, almost to like ha- half court and just like have Steph and a bunch of other dudes just shoot from there. George uh, versus like- Steph in a shooting contest or something. I do. I want to see. I'd rather see a uh, round robin one on one tournament, just okay. to to five or something. Guys, guys, was going to five and round round around. T- like ten guys start, and then you go a couple rounds, and then you just you whittle it down, whittle it down, and you end up with the top two guys going one on one. Do you think Rozier and Morris should be shopped at the deadline too? Uh, no, not Rozier. Rozier's under team control till two thousand and twenty, mm-hmm. and he's. That's my thing with Smart. If you're because if you're gonna move Smart. Then you, you gotta keep Rozier for the short. Yeah, Rozier, exactly. Um, Morris, I just that's just more of a personal thing. I like him. I like the fact that, sure, Boston this ball movement, share the ball, and he's that that one guy. I'm shooting it, and he saved he saved their bacon a couple games. He's he's actually you probably heard him a couple games too, but then they just pull him. But when he's gone, when he's on, he's he's definitely saved their bacon a couple games. So I think you need a guy like that off the bench. I think he's a lot more necessary because they don't have Hayward. But if Hayward was there. I think oh, yeah. it's a no-brainer. He's gone. I I completely agree because with Hayward, you know, you don't need him at the four. Now you got Hayward slash Jalen Brown slash Jason Tatum playing four. He's he's just he's not really needed. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I guess that's why I'm a lot more cold and calculated with Rozier and Morris and Smart because there's only five guys that can be on the court at the same time, and they already have their five guys. But guess what? You know what? You say that, but then in the best teams, they also have two guys that come off the bench that you slot in there and you don't lose much. And that's where a guy like Rozier comes in. That's where a guy like Smart. But Rozier's not playing crunch time. It doesn't matter. You have like the other, you know, 43 minutes of the game don't matter. Well, no, they matter. But like, I just, I I think about the Warriors and I think about. If you you stretch the lead out to 15 in the first 43, you don't need a guy playing crunch time. And a guy like Terry Rozier will help you stretch that lead out to fifteen to twenty. You see what I'm saying? Because that's you what the Wizards. You can find more Roziers. You can find them. Where? Where? In the draft. I mean, you, can, you can find anybody, but when you already have one, what's the, what? Why? Why not keep him? This well, is what's so weird. Oh, hold on, okay. real, real quick. Let me talk because this is what's so what's killing me. Because uh, my man Kevin O'Connor has been beating that drum about Blake Griffin getting traded from the Clippers because now the Clippers have cap flexibility and they can do this and that. I understand that it's all about, you know, when you think about the long-term franchise outlook, sometimes you got to think, but when you, it's like a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. So like when I see people saying, oh, the Magic should trade Aaron Gordon because he didn't fit their timeline and it gives them more flexibility going down the line. And so, so why are you even drafting then? If every time you, oh, no, the, the excuse I got was Aaron Gordon doesn't fit with Jonathan Simmons perfectly. It's not a perfect fit. There's no such thing as a perfect fit unless you're Golden State and you can get Kevin Durant. So you got to just I don't we, we're at this point now where it seems like everything's about an asset and making cap space. But sometimes you can it's hard to, to make a good team and see how good you can be. It's OK just to, to do that. 
So Terry Rozier is on team control. He's until 2020. That's two more seasons. Why would you think about trading him right now? Like, what do you? What's the point? What do you? What do you? What's, what are you going to gain by trading him? I think it goes back to like whether or not if the right deal comes along, are you really going to be that close to hoarding him? If you're willing to get, if you're able to get, I don't know who the right deal is, but like some kind of late first and uh, a solid rotation guy. Well, why? Why? We, what are you doing with another late first? We just said you can't pay everybody. What do you draft? Well, no, you can- keep restarting that process on those lower end guys because eventually you're going to pay Tatum, eventually you're going to pay Jalen Brown, and you're not going to pay Rozier, and they're not going to pay Marcus Smart. They're not going to pay um, the fringe guys, the rotation guys. It's, when they I'm have to right. pay Al Horford, they have to pay. No, 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 no. Horford's coming off. And, Horford's going to come off and take us either a smaller deal, or they'll have his replacement in the draft by 2020. How many years left of, uh, two more. Uh, two more. Okay. So by 2020, Horford's coming out. That's 30 million. But you want off that the money book. to go towards the Anthony Davis sweepstakes, right? No, I don't care about that. I'm not but doing do you that. You think they do? Well, I still think you don't say I'm moving Terry Rozier just because we might be able to sign or trade for Anthony Davis. In- I would. That's and I'm I'm uh, I'm just I'm tired of it. I think we just have he, a different um, no. I get it. Sure, approach. He, he's great, but when you already have a, a hot, you're the number one team in the East. Mm-hmm. You don't sit there and say, "Well, I'm going to start moving these assets now, just in case I possibly can get Anthony Davis in three years." That's I just hate that mentality. I absolutely hate it. I absolutely hate it because guess what? A team is more than just figures on a, a cap sheet. There's something about this, like, the, and I'm saying this as a Boston fan. We watched Terry Rozier go from nothing to this this really good player. There's nothing wrong with keeping him around. And I get it. If a great deal comes along, sure. You're saying move him now just in case you get moved for Anthony Davis in three years. I, I don't know when fans and even writers started thinking at that level because that's that's a GM level. That's great. It's great that we can look at that at certain points and say, okay, yeah, we can see it from this angle. But when all you think about is cap space and flexibility, do you even really care about the basketball? You see what I'm saying? It, it, it starts to be like, do you even care about the basketball and a real, building a real team? Well, I think Boston's different because, as you've talked about, and I agree with, is that Brad Stevens is the point guard with Spur, and he can seemingly do this with anybody. So I think if you get right well, into it, you you bet on Stevens to develop the next route. But he didn't. RJ, RJ Hunter came and went. James Young came and went. James Young's a two guard. But it's like, you know, it's sometimes it's, it's, it's okay to say, all right, this guy fits my mold. We're going to keep him. It's okay to do that. You don't always have to be looking for the next best deal. Even though you do keep an eye out, obviously you do. I mean, hey, Isaiah was great. It wasn't going to work because they weren't going to pay max money, so they found the, they found a deal that was even better. That's awesome, right? I said that myself. I was like, I don't know how they're going to pay this guy $35 million. This wasn't going to work. So I, I get it, man. Uh, Kyrie's going to be getting a max contract here. Gordon's on max. Hayward's going to, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, Gordon Hayward does max. Al Horford, obviously, is you know he's got his max money for a couple more years. When that's gone, you know Jason Tatum's gonna be up for you know his extension and uh, Jalen Brown. That's coming down the pipeline too. So I get it, but there's also something to be said. Even if you let's say you're not gonna keep uh, you're not gonna keep Terry Scary Terry, you sign him for a, a fair deal, and then guess what? If he, he's a if he's a trade chip, that's fine. But it's okay to say, sure, we're gonna pay these guys. Let's see where it goes. That's fair. That's fair. I don't know, man. It just, it's something I've, been, I've noticed so many guys. It's all they think about. Blake Griffin's terrible in Detroit because that contract will be look, look terrible in year five. He's a good player right now. He's an all-star. Well, I still think he's, it's a ter- that was a terrible deal for the Pistons. It's not a terrible deal. It's it not, is it's, a bad deal. 
You got it well, first. That first was ridiculous. I'm saying getting Blake. And they're Griffin. locked into Reggie Jackson, Blake Griffin, and Andre. Drummond. I'm saying that's better than what Charlotte doing right now. Blake Griffin is, is it a better. Sport. They're like how yeah. many games up on Charlotte? I mean, I think that I want to say they're three and zero since they got Blake Griffin. So yes, right now it's a better deal for them. Like he's been great for them. He was like someone was tweeting that today. He was like he's Look, been. A- I am king. I, like I, I love Blake Griffin. I've always loved Blake know. Griffin. I know. I know. I get it. Whatever you're saying. I, that- just, I wanted to see him yeah. in a different spot too. I wanted to see him in a situation where he was not playing with DeAndre, like DeAndre East. I wanted to see him where he could play stretch five for major we, minutes. We, we got to remember, there's never a perfect deal. There's never a perfect spot. But there are players who, no matter where you put him, are going to produce. He's one of those players. Somebody tweeted after his first couple of games. He's been I think like the Boston uh, Cleveland uh, deal for Kyrie might have been a perfect deal. Uh, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. That that's a perfect storm. I think yeah. Ainge really he he crafted one out of there. Now I, you can't bank on every deal being that. And Blake Griffin's averaging like 22, eight and five. That's elite production, and he's still only 28. And sure, he's lost some of his bounce. And sure, he's an injury risk, but I mean, it. When you're in Detroit, what are you going to do? What better? Again, well, I would have stripped Stan Van Gundy of his GM role. Uh, and yeah, then, and then um, adjusted their cap sheet. Uh, well, slightly. I was going to say again. I'm going to say again for the Detroit Pistons. You're saying sure down the line you might get a, this pick and that pick and maybe you're not getting a free agent because free agents are going to Detroit. So what better player are you going to get than Blake Griffin in Detroit? Why is it bad having a good player? You see what I'm saying? I get it. All the stuff about year five, but I'm saying right now. Worry about year five and year five. I guess it depends on what your end goal is. And the Pistons, by acquiring Blake and doubling down on this core of Blake, Reggie, and Drummond, they're saying we're not going for titles anytime soon. I mean, you weren't trading Reggie Jackson for anything anyway. True. Not. But they signed Reggie Jackson. They did trade for Reggie Jackson originally. Right. And you know, they went all in on Reggie when the rest of the league was not. But he's not a bad player. The injuries have made him look bad. But he's been he's been good, right? He's been good. He's fine, but he has a ceiling, and he can't like you can't. I, I don't Every know. player can't be Russell Westbrook. Every player can't be Steph Curry. You got it. There's there's well the there's Hawks are facing this similar problem with Dennis Schroeder, where it's like, what there's again there's room in the league for for good players who aren't great. Like you need those players. You just sure don't want you them great. at the top of your cap sheet. I mean, but guess what? There's only so many guys you're going to give max money to who are worth it. Exactly. I get what that's, you're saying. That's the conundrum of the NBA right now, though. But it's this not, goes though. Back it's to old. Sharp's piece in SI where it's like, we it, it, we got to be harsh on guys like this because teams are screwed with these contracts. And like we talked about the Blazers and the Pistons and just the Hornets. And we've talked about a lot of these different teams that are suffering from this same situation where <laughs> they don't really know what else to do. But I mean, Reggie's only making—he's making starter money, seventeen million dollars a year. Yeah, that's not—that's not a terrible contract. Like, like what? What? What's? What's? What do you want? I don't—I don't understand what else you really want. You know, what I mean, Lure contracts way worse. The ten mil that he's making, still three years left on that deal, is just—it's not great. But it's just—it's hard. I, I just—I think my, you know what my problem is. I think we—I think sometimes everyone, when you use this lens of analysis, you're doing it versus what would be the perfect outcome and scenario. And if it doesn't match up to that, then this is bad. There's, there's impossible to do that though. And I wish people, I wish more people would say, yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. Is it ideal? No, but you know, sure. There's, you could say there's been bad bills, but Randy Jackson's not, that's not a terrible contract. 
It's not. It's not a terrible contract, and he wasn't a terrible player. Now, the injuries make it suck, but that's hindsight, right? So I, I don't get, like, what do you want What do you want, What do you want? Stan Van Gundy to do? Tear it all the way down? What For what? Do you know where, I'm, where I really would have wanted Blick? It's New where? York. Um, Him and KP would have worked a lot better. I think that yeah. is just... That is something I really, really would have been interested in. That would have been fun. Miami. It, um, he's not a Miami player. That's just he's just not a Miami player. So that I, I he's just not a Miami player. You New know York, what I mean? New York was the most likely for me. That was like that would have been fun. or you know Washington. Again, that's to me that's a bad fit. I don't know. I would go all in with Wall, Beal, and Blake as your core three. Yeah, to me that's just because again took on basically a less expensive Otto Porter and Tobias Harris. Well, you know the problem with that is is that now uh, my thing with Blake is Blake needs the ball in his hands and he needs a lot of pretty high usage. You put him with Wall and I, I know great you know talent usually works it out, but I just don't see the fit with him, Beal and Wall because I don't know I, I don't like that fit. Okay. Um, oh. Last thing. Uh, I wanted to touch on tonight. The Rockets have reportedly put uh, Ryan Anderson on the market <laughs> again, <laughs> and he's quietly been okay. He's fine. Yeah, it's the money. It's it, the money. The money is still. It's just too much. But I do yeah. think about like Eric Gordon comes back this week, and that's going to be a nice help. And they're like twenty three and three with Chris Paul and James Harden both playing together. And I, I still feel like they're a piece away and they're going to have to pay Capella who deserves it um, this off season. And Nene is incredible for them. And Ariza is like the glue guy, but he's on the last year of his deal. I do think if they could, man, Ryan Anderson making $20 million this year, that's just um, not great. But I wonder if you have to package Eric Gordon or somebody else with him to get something good back. But I, I, I do want to see, Houston go after one more guy. I don't know who it is. Who would it be for you? Like, is there real, do they have a real shot? Um, I, I just, again, it's the money, man. I'm looking, he's been, I heard someone say, and you're right. He's been all right. He's only averaging 10 points a game this year. He's, he's been okay. The last three or four games, he's been, oh man, that's, that's spacing, dude. I hate, I'm, I'm not one of those guys who just hammers on floor spacing, but the fact that he's, he's been plus 16 over the last four games. Holy moly. Um, so, yeah, I just don't see a deal, man. I don't see a deal for that that kind of money for two more years after this one. Is that right? Is it 20, 22 million? 20 million? Yeah, that's I so, yeah. I just I, – I can't see any team – we just talked about, how, you know, cap is at a premium. Teams are, very, are, are, pen, are pinching pennies. You're going to pay that much for – Sure. He'll hit a ton of threes, but, uh, you know, he, he tries on defense, but he's not a solid defender. He's not a strong rebounder anymore. Um, I just don't see it, man. I don't see a team that absorbs that. I, I don't have two I, teams for you. Go ahead. One, Phoenix. And you'll have to include something to sweeten this offer. But You got to, yeah. Jared Dudley sitting there on $10 million. I'd much rather have Jared Dudley with two years left at $10 million playing the floor. Yeah. And seeing if sure. you can I mean, pry. I'm pretty sure that show with Phoenix, though, right? Yeah. See if okay. you can pry Marquise Chris away uh, in that yeah, deal. That's not, there's no way Phoenix would do that one. Phoenix, like, that dude is, like, going after assistant coaches. He has not been good for them. I don't know. I feel like Marquise Chris 
can be had. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure I, he's good, but you put him in uh, Houston, you give him a change of scenery. I don't know. People were talking to him about him just a couple years ago as like the number one overall talent in the draft. I just Remember don't that? see why he was getting buzz as number one overall and like the best player. I'm that I happened. Loved yeah, I loved him. I I kind of wanted him in Boston, or you know, I thought, hey man, he's so talented. I just don't see them saying, sure, he's a headache. He's a rookie. He's making you know what five six million dollars a year. Yeah, uh, yeah. Give us give us that twenty two million dollar power forward who shoots threes uh, and doesn't play defense and take our our young project. You know, I just I don't know, and 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 our 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 vet Jared Jared Dudley, I, I don't see it happen. It's 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 tough, but that's the one I was trying to find a way to figure it out. Good locker room guy, good Ryan Anderson in there to help the Phoenix locker room. I don't know, that might be worth it. Just uh, <laughs> flip there. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> I'm doing my best here. Don't tear your rotator cuff with that reach, brother. And then the other, the Knicks, they want to yeah. move Doug McDermott. Doug McDermott was built for the D'Antoni offense. And Willie Hernan Gomez wants to move. And I remember the Knicks, I feel like, were feeling around on Anderson. There has been interest. But you would have to take on one of their bad contracts for him, right? Taking Joe Kim Noah? took on Hardaway? You're taking Joe Kim Noah? Uh, no, no one's taking Joe Kim Noah. What? What do you mean Hardaway? They don't want to give up Hardaway right now. Do you want Hardaway for four more years at $60 million? I'd rather have that over Ryan Anderson, hands down. Okay. I mean, mm-hmm. look, here's the thing. Hardaway, as much as he's, you say he's overpaid, again, how much is he making? 16, 17 million a year? Uh, 16. That's what they, you know, the, the cap spike, that's what they call average starter money. Like an average starter at 16, 17 million, that's not bad. And he's not, he hasn't earned it. Yeah, he hasn't earned it, but he's young, he's athletic, he can really, he can, you know, he can, he can get hot. And so you hope he, you know, he, how old is he? He's still pretty young. Is he? I feel like he's on the older side now. He's on like team number three. Uh, All right, he's hitting his prime. He's he's twenty. He'll be twenty-five. He turns twenty-six this year. Twenty-six in March. Yeah. So that's not bad. You know, he like his prime is just approaching. He's good size, athletic. Yeah, man. I I would much rather have that for four years than Ryan Anderson for two. Mm, I I don't know. I feel. I I I guess. I mean, he's shooting thirty-two percent from three this year. Not great. Uh, not great at all. But he's yeah, he just came back from injury kind of recently. Hardaway's fine. I would just if you could move off that contract for like two years less with Anderson. I don't know. I'd I'd explore it. <laughs> no. Doug McDermott. Ryan I want Anderson. Doug McDermott and Tim Hardaway on the Rockets. They were built to Ryan play on the Rockets Anderson team. Anderson averaging ten points a game, and he's going to be making twenty. And I'm not saying about PPG. I know it's not just that the floor spacing is great. Do you trust the coach in New York to make use of Ryan Anderson correctly? Uh, I like Hornacek, so yeah. But I don't think Cordesek's making it past this year. I think he's getting fired. I think he has not been good. He's fine. There are a lot of bad coaches in the league. Jeff Hornacek, I don't think, is one of them. Uh, I think he's probably a, a good... Uh, Dude, he has survived with Jarrett Jack as his starting point guard. And that's the problem. You're st- why are you still starting Jarrett Jack? Because he was okay at the beginning of the year, but I guess he doesn't want to fully... Because I think once you take him out, you might... like. <sighs> Frank Nilekina it's fucking Jared Jack. Flo- I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I can't curse you. Just flush him. Just get Jared Jack out of there. He's not. He's Jared Jack. Who cares? I think it's more of like the illusion of going for the playoffs with him, because I think they're still trying to get that eight seed. And if they put in Nilekina for 36 minutes a night, they are admitting that they are not making the playoffs. 
Well, and that's the problem with the Knicks, right? It's so much about appearance with them. They'll never just say, we need to build a big, te- a good team the way we need to build it. So, All right. Well, I feel like that's a good way of ending this. Just classic Knicks. Oh, my God. I'm still I'm still upset by you and, and your take on Gordon Hayward. Are you? That was like an hour and a half ago. I know. It's 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 colored my whole podcast. I've been I've been irked with you this whole time. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know I if think, I've ever irked someone this badly. I think you might podcast. be you might be my mortal enemy now, I think, actually. Really? Probably. Maybe. For Gordon Hayward, more than the Rozier comments? I mean that too. So yeah, I think all around I think I just I think I want to see the end of you now. <laughs> I think I want to just, yeah, I might, yeah, I think, yeah, I think I might wish ill upon you now. I think so. Wow. Hey, man, you made this bed. This is on you. This is all you. I'm driving to Temecula. I'm an adult, and I will take your hate in stride. That, the Blake Griffin comments, the Mm. Flip Terry Rozier, yeah, yeah, you pretty, I think you might be. I checked all the boxes. Yeah, you just became uh, public enemy number one in San Diego. Wow. Okay. Well, that uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how to I don't know what to say to that. Um, okay. Well, this has been a success. Yeah. I, watch, I think, hey, uh, just watch. Just watch your back. Man. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. Well, James, it's Owens, been a thank pleasure you for taking not. the time and. Uh, <laughs> I really have no idea how to end this podcast after all of that. Um, just, uh, just accept my challenge for a duel and, uh, see you at the, uh, see you at the, see you at the, uh, summer league. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to do any of those things and I'm definitely voting <laughs> summer league this year. I, I will keep a low profile for the rest of 2018, I guess. Maybe, uh, put the podcast on hiatus just to get my takes in order because they've upset you too much. So, um, anyway, I do appreciate you taking the time and we can find you on Twitter. It's not dripping. Uh, we can read you at B-Ball Breakdown. Uh, we can listen to you on the Almighty Ballers pod. And uh, is there anything else that uh, you're working on this week that you want to plug before we get out of there? Um, I'm writing a manifesto, uh, how to get rid of you in 10 days. Oh, my so, God. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ch- hey, Chase, mm-hmm. you're going to get chased. Okay. All right. <laughs> Great. All right, folks. That's that's it. All right. Thanks, James. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, brothers. It was a a pleasure. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate it if you could take a second and leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out chasethomaspodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. Uh, thank you for your support and we'll be back on another episode very soon. Thanks guys. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. 
relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.